Well, turn with me in your Bibles if you'd be so kind. We're going to go to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2. Pastor Craig has been ministering along the lines of being led by the Spirit. Uh, you'll, you'll remember, um, if, you, if you've been watching live stream and coming to services, you'll know he's been ministering along the lines of, of uh, being led by the Spirit. And it came up in my heart to continue along those lines. Uh, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit told Pastor Craig, the wording that he gave him was that he wants us to soak in this. Do you remember Pastor Craig saying that? He wants us to soak in the revelation of being led by the Spirit. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not soaked yet. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit wet. I might be damp a little bit, but, but we got to soak in this. You know what that means, congregation? That means that we're not just hearing it when we come to church. If God wants us to soak in something... You know, that means you're drenched at all times. That means that, you know, um, one, one of the things the Lord prompted me to do was to take out Brother Hagin's book, How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God, and go through it again. Pastor Nancy has a wonderful book called Following the Holy Spirit. You know, get a hold of materials that will help you to soak in what the Holy Spirit told us we should be soaking in, right? Because we want to be good students of what God's saying. And evidently, uh, we need to come up in this area if we need to soak in it. Right? Nobody has ever arrived, right? We know this. We, we've never reached the, the pinnacle of revelation and, you know, spirituality or whatever. Um, there's more for us to lay hold of. And so God has more for us tonight. Amen? So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you will, we're going to start in verse 7. It says this, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Which, look at this part, I love, I love this verse. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, I, I love, I love this verse. Because you know what God is talking to us about here? He's saying to us, the one that knows is the one with the advantage. And the princes of, of this world that are being talked about, really, the devil and his minions. He's saying here that... Um, they didn't know something, and because they didn't know, they live in regret today. <laughs> they wish that they had known something. And, and if you continue on down this chapter, we know that God starts talking to us about the things that he's revealed to us. And so as I was reading it, the Lord said to me, he says, Taylor, I am freely giving you what my enemy wishes they would have had. They wish they would have known. That by crucifying Jesus, you know, the, the new covenant would be brought in. That many sons and daughters would be brought back to the Father. They killed Jesus and they thought that they had defeated God. They thought, oh, this is going to be the thing that launches us into the next phase of our lives where we're going to, you know, we're going to go and we're going to increase now and we're going to have dominion. And God thought he was going to send Jesus and it was going to be all great. But we went and killed him. So now what God wanted for his kids, he's not going to accomplished. But little did they know that it was in his death that we all would come into the life that God had for us. They didn't know that. And so they misstepped. Listen, when we don't know some things, we make missteps. But God, in his great love for us and in his great mercy toward us, has given us a way that we can be in the know. And so we don't have to uh, walk around in confusion. We don't have to deal with uncertainty. We don't have to ever wonder, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? How, am I, how is this going to happen in my life? Because God has created a process by which we can know. Amen. Amen. The devil sits in hell today with, with, surrounded by total regret and total condemnation. Because the thing he thought was going to turn things around for him actually backfired. <laughs> He's sitting today in that, in that. Listen, don't ever let the devil beat you up with regret and condemnation. Because what he's doing is he's just projecting his own feelings onto you. He's just projecting. You ever been around somebody and, you know, they're having a bad day or whatever? And, uh, you know, they come, they come in. Because I've been that person. I'll, 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 you know, be transparent enough to admit I've been that person. You're having a bad day or whatever. And you come in, you grumble. And then somebody comes up to you and they're like, oh, hey, how are you? And you're like, fine. You know, <laughs> fine. You know, and what, what are you doing with your attitude? And, and they kind of go, oh, you know, because they're, you know, 
don't rain on my parade kind of deal. You're projecting your bad attitude onto them. Listen, that's what the devil does when he comes at us with condemnation. So don't remember, the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It says no condemnation, not no correction. Right? See, people, see, and people misinterpret that and they think, oh, well, because there's no condemnation, I don't have to talk about anything that I need to come up in. No, we need to talk about it, but we don't have to stay and stoop in the feelings of defeat about it. Right? Well, praise the Lord. God has permitted us to live in the know and to walk in victory. Living in the know is walking in victory. Because I know some things, because I know, because I can know what God's plan is for my life, I can have victory in every area. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's verse eight. Let's, let's keep reading here. Verse nine says this, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Aren't you glad that God has prepared some things for you? Uh, in the Amplified Classic, that part of the verse reads this. It says, all that God has prepared, made, and keeps ready for those that love him. You know, God has things that are ready for you. God has things that are already set, already prepared, and he's just waiting for you to walk in them. Aren't you glad for that? I think that's so great. You don't have to figure out things on your own. You don't have to live in confusion. You don't have to um, wonder, you know? Half of the time, a lot of people are depressed and whatever because they just don't know what, what to do. They don't know if something's going to come and take them out, you know? You, you, you hear about, you put on the news and it's like, oh my God, everybody out there is dying. And they go and they, you know, watch these things and they're taking these things in and it produces fear in them. But you don't have to live like that. God's given you a way out. God has prepared and he has made things for you and he's keeping them ready for you. But those things are waiting on you to draw them out, to draw out the knowledge of them. God has already gone before you. Notice that verse says he hath prepared, meaning they've already been prepared. God isn't in the process of, you know, scrambling things together for you. Oh, God, I, I didn't know they'd be here. You know, like, he's, he's, he's you know, he's, he's a genius. He's meticulous. And he's got things prepared for you in advance. Amen. His love for us is demonstrated in his preparation. Amen. You know, those of you in here who have, you know, kids or, or you're married or you have somebody, even you, you have a friend over, whatever you want to cook for them, you know, you, you take the time to prepare what, what, you know, exactly, if we use the example of kids, you know, you, you have little kids at home and they can't, you know, cook or whatever, what do you do? Well, you know they have to eat, right? They, they can't just, you know, sit around and, you know, look pretty. Oh, look at this beautiful child that I've made now. That's it. You know, like, you, you got to feed them, right? They're going to eat because if you don't feed them, you're going to hear about it, right? So, um, so you know, the, a parent will often go and sometimes, you know, you sit and you think about, uh, you know, you're thinking in advance about meals. I've seen, I've seen people, like, it's very intense, you know, for me, who's not a natural, like, you know, planner. Corinne is the opposite of me, but she's, she's very much like that. I'm not like that. But, you know, you see people and they've planned out uh, the meals for weeks in advance, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God. You know, like, that's, that's so intense. But it's, but it's, you know, your love for your child that incites a preparation in advance so that when you get there, and also, you know, so you don't have to deal with chaos, but it's, but it's, it's, it's love that prepares a place. Love prepares things in advance because uh, love doesn't ever want uh, the person receiving the love to be without. And God doesn't ever want you to be without anything. And so he's prepared some things in advance for you. You know what God's plan is? God's plan is uh, really a detailed list of what he's prepared. Amen? And God has prepared things for us. Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man. What does that mean? That's a fancy way of saying natural means cannot grasp what God has prepared. But what can? Verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God that the Father sent the Holy Spirit to us. Because that means that the things that God has prepared for us can now be revealed unto us. God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. The Spirit of God who lives on the inside of you has been given a divine assignment. Yes. 
right? In the same way that God assigns each of us things, the Holy Spirit came with an assignment. And his assignment is to reveal to us the will of the Father. His assignment is not only to show us what it is, but to lead us and guide us so that we can bring to pass that vision and that plan and that purpose that God has for us. Amen. The problem is a lot of people don't uh, enable the Holy Spirit to do his job because they don't inquire of him about what his will is. They assume. They assume or they devise their own plan. They've decided that they're not interested in what God has planned, and so they want to do their own thing. Oh, well, I'm going to choose this career path for myself. I'm going to marry this person. I'm going to go to this school. But they don't consult the will of the Father. See, we have to understand God is separate from time. He knows everything that's going to happen. He knows the consequences that we take or, or the consequences that will come to us based on certain decisions that we make. And so, you know, we can guess and, and, and kind of maybe randomly walk in God's plan, you know, but we're, when we get down to it, um, we want to make right choices so that we can have all the good things God has prepared. And that comes with including God in our decision making. He wants to be included in your decision making. He doesn't want you to sit by yourself or, or even, you know, together as a husband and wife. You know, you might make decisions together and maybe between the two of you, you're pretty smart, you know, but we're not God. We're not the Holy Ghost. We haven't seen, we're, we don't live separate from time, but God is in us. The Holy, if we're born again, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us and he wants to lead us and guide us into the plan of God. You know, it's totally baffling why uh, Christians today would not want to seek the counsel of the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because he is more than qualified to handle um, all of the things in our lives. The Bible says here that he has searched out the deep things of God. He has gone into the recesses of God's mind. You know, he and he knows everything. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about what God has planned for you. He sees you where you're at. He sees the potential that you have on the inside of you. He knows exactly what decisions you need to make in order to get to the fullness and uh, of live, living out the fullness of the potential that God has for you. Amen. And so he's more than qualified. He has searched out the deep things of God. You know, in the natural we would say this, if somebody has taken the time to research a particular subject, could be a science, it could be, you know, a philosophy, it could be, you know, one, you see these academics, right, where oftentimes they spend years upon years upon years of their lives um, studying things. And, uh, you know, they, they gather information. And then when there's new developments in the things that they've studied, they're often the first to know about it because they spend so much time getting acquainted with this thing that they're studying, you know? And, and we see this in academics. And what would we call those people um, that, you know, do this? We would call them experts, wouldn't we? Well, the Holy Spirit has spent his time searching out the deep things of God. He is an expert on the things of God. And when he went into the deep things of God and searched things out, he found the plan of God for Chantel. He found the plan of God for Miss Maria. And when he, he did that, he looked through that plan and he became familiar with it. And he knows all about the plan. He is an expert about the plan of God for your life. There is an expert that lives on the inside of you. You know, uh, there's not a lot to watch on Netflix. Um, you like that segue? There was no segue. Um, okay. Um, uh, yeah, there's not a lot to watch on Netflix. And so I remember we stumbled upon a show. I think it's called The Chef's Table. Um, I think. But it's basically, um, it's, a, it's a cooking show. It's a competition show. Um, and I could be wrong. It could be something else. I don't remember. Um, but it is a it's definitely a cooking show. And what they do is they have all of these professional chefs come in and they're, uh, you know, they're not cooking for prize money. Which, if I were them, you know, I'd be like, what am I on the show for if I'm not cooking for prize money? But they're cooking for bragging rights, pretty much. And I know, boo. Um, and uh, so they, they are given, every week they're given a different country. And they have to make, uh, they have judges come in that are experts in food from those countries. And they have to come in and prepare a dish from that country using, uh, first they give them the name of a dish and then they give them an ingredient. And they have to create a dish 
uh, that's tasty and beautiful and you know, uh, with with all with the stuff from that country, you know, it's very entertaining. Uh, I enjoyed it. Recommend it. But uh, there's a part. Uh, makes you hungry though, so don't, and you're sitting there, you know, eating your Cheetos, wishing it was, you know, anyways, praise God. Um, so, uh, in, in the second round, when, when they get down to the, the last set of people who are really fighting to not be eliminated, um, those people have to cook a particular dish using an ingredient, and what they'll do is they have a, a professional chef who's very qualified, who's very uh, successful, that chef comes in and they're going to judge the food that is cooked, okay? Um, and so the expert, we, we could call them the expert, will come in and they'll walk beside the host and they'll go over to each table. And the host will say, you know, such and such, what are you making for us today? And they'll say, oh, well, you know, we're making this, this, and we're going to do this. And so you have different, you know, the chefs have different personalities, and so they handle things differently. You have some of the experts who go right in there, in their business, and start tasting things. And they, they're start, and you know, sometimes, sometimes they'll make a face and say, mm, I'd watch that if I were you. And sometimes, uh, sometimes they'll go through, and, and you have the the stone, you know, stone cold poker face, you know, uh, with some of them, they just don't, you know, they're just kind of looking around, seeing what's doing. But sometimes, if they're lucky, the expert will give them some advice. They'll give them, they'll say, you know, I think this is tasting a little salty, or they'll say, mm, I don't know if that is really going to bring out the beautiful flavor. You know, they use the very, the adjectives that are, you know. <laughs> I don't know if it's not luscious enough. I, you know, like they, they use the, the food people, you know, they're very, anyways. Um, and so I don't know if this is right. I don't know if the, it's going to cloak the flavors of that, you know. And, the, and they'll say certain things like that. And if the people are smart, they'll listen to the expert. Not just because the expert is judging them, but because when somebody knows more than you, they can help you into knowledge that you don't have. Well, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is an expert about the plan of God for your life. He can help you into knowledge that you do not yet have. Amen? But you have to listen to him. And, and you know, you watch the show. Some of them listen to the experts. Some of them don't. And some of them paid the price of elimination because they didn't listen to the expert. You know, and the expert says, I told you it was going to be like that, brother. But you didn't listen. You know, anyways. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the expert on the inside of you. He's a genius on the inside of you. He knows what you should do. He knows where you should go. He knows who you should connect your life to. Amen? So follow him. You know, when we're talking about being led by the Spirit, we're not talking about, you know, I've, I've heard it said, we're not talking about a holy hot flash, you know? We're not talking about, you know, just weird goosebumps that you feel, and, ooh, I feel like I should do that. You know, it's not a, it's not a weird twitch that people have. It's not, a, either, but this is what people think, you know? They think that unless I'm doing something strange and odd, I'm not being led by the Holy Ghost. When we're talking about being led by the Spirit, we're talking about getting acquainted with a person. Yes. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is, uh, he is a member of the Godhead. He is God himself. He left his heavenly home to reside in us. Oh, dear Jesus. You know, like he came of his own accord and, and, and to live in us and to help us. He's a person that God has assigned and commissioned to reveal things to us and to lead us and guide us. And he so badly wants to be involved. He so badly wants to fulfill his assignment. But we need to allow him to do so. How do I do that? Well, we know this. Spending time in the word every day is familiarizing, self with, familiarizing yourself with God's voice. Amen? But praying in tongues every day as well is totally necessary in order for you to get acquainted with the promptings of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Amen? This is why every one of us should be interested in God's plan. Amen? We don't want to uh, go to the end of our lives, you know, and we stand before Jesus and we see what our lives could have been and said, I wanted to get this to you, but you weren't interested. Right? We want, we want to be interested in the leadings of the Holy Spirit because they bring us into more of what God has. The leadings of the Spirit for us are directives that bring about God's plan in our lives. 
Amen? And so we, the, in God's plan, of course, we know this, God's plan includes health for us. It includes prosperity. It includes divine connections, divine ideas. There's, there, there's so much good that exists within the plan of God, but it requires us cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And getting acquainted with him and, and, and with who he is on the inside of us. Amen? I want to kind of uh, bring out something a little different about being led by the Holy Spirit. Pastor Craig touched on it a little bit uh, at the end of the one o'clock service on Sunday. That's the emphasis I want to give to you all. Um, but we need, to, we need to understand this. I'm repeating some of the things he said because they're good for us to hear again, right? Um, Pastor Craig told us, and, and the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, right? And so what's that, what that is telling us is that sons are led. Yeah. So sons of God have a different way of getting counsel than others who are not sons. Yeah. Right. Amen? Because you are a son of God, you're a citizen of heaven. So couldn't we say it this way? You know, if I was in another nation, uh, any, any nation, if I was, and I was in some kind of trouble in, in that nation, the first place that I would go in order to find refuge is I would, go, I would find a Canadian embassy, right? And so I'd go to the embassy and present myself, say that I'm a citizen, and they would take me in because that section of land that the embassy is on is, you know, it would be Canadian land, right? And so I would go and find refuge there. Well, you, uh, and as a citizen of another country, I can, or as a citizen of Canada, I can find refuge in the embassy of Canada in that nation, right? So we could say this, we are not citizens of earth. We are citizens of heaven. And so because we are citizens of heaven, if we need refuge, if we need instruction, if we need counsel, if we need something, we need to go to the place that heaven has ordained for us to go to, to get counsel and to get refuge and to get strength. And can I, let me say it this way, there is an embassy on the inside of you. Heaven's embassy is on the inside of you. And it's the spirit of God, the life of God on the inside of your spirit man. There's counsel on the inside of you. The Bible tells us that counsel in the heart of man is like deep waters and a wise man draws it out. You got to draw up the counsel, that embassy. Get into, you know, I, I heard it this way. A minister said it once. They said, you know, if, if we could literally see what it looks like when a Christian progresses forward in the plan of God, it would look like this. Because our attention is turned toward our spirit man. We're looking to our spirit man. We're not looking at what's happening around us. We're not led by circumstances. We're not led by feelings. We're not led by counsel given to us by well-meaning people. We're led by the spirit. We're, and our attention, our gaze must be inward in order for us to move in what God has for us. Amen? We have to look to our spirit. We have to know how to look to our spirit. Amen. Because a lot of times people, you know, go through tests and trials and they come out and it, it, everything is so chaotic. Everything is so, is, is a mess. You know, they're just, oh my God, you know, and they get so caught up emotionally. But what we need to do is when we face tests and trials, learn how to quiet our minds, learn how to take our attention off the situation and put it in our spirit. Because that's where the help is. The answers for your life are on the inside of you. They're not outside. They're, you know, uh, God is good to us and he's given us, you know, he's given us a pastor. And so he'll get answers over to us that way through the office, through the anointing that's on the pastor. But God wants us to learn how to be led ourselves. Amen. The highest way that we could say this for us to be led is in our own spirits. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says this. You don't have to turn there, but uh, we'll just refer to it. It says that there is a treasure within our earthen vessels. There is there's a treasure on the inside of you. You know, and, and can I say this? This isn't just any old treasure. This is what God calls treasure. God has a driveway paved with gold, right? God lives in total 
I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Luxury. He lives in total, uh, everything in heaven is beautiful. Everything he's created is magnificent, right? But he says, there's a treasure in our earthen vessels. What God calls, y'all, do y'all, I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. There is limitless potential to what the life of God on the inside of you can accomplish. God calls it treasure. And it's within your earthen vessel. It is within your spirit man. And part of that treasure includes the leading of the spirit. Yes. Amen. There's, there's healing in there. There's answers for your life. There's peace in your spirit. There's joy. The fruit of the spirit are inside of you to draw out. That's all included in that treasure. But the leading of the spirit is in there too. Amen. And so we need to know how to seek it out. We need to know how to draw it up. Amen. Amen. But we know this too. The devil's not going to congratulate us for um, following the Holy Ghost. You know, we're not going to say, oh, I sense in my heart I need to go. Let's say, for example, I need to apply for this job. And the devil's going to say, oh, the Holy Ghost told you? Okay, I'm going to back off. You know, like, like that, that's not how it works. That's not, that's not what he's going to do, right? If anything, he, once you find out what the leading of the Holy Spirit is for you, he's going to oppose. He's going to come against you. He's going to try. Why? Because he wants you to get off of what God said to you. He doesn't want you to see the end of your faith. He doesn't want you to see the plan that God has for you, to experience the blessing of the Lord. Amen? Why does the devil oppose us? Why is he going to try and get us to do things our way instead of God's way? Well, because this, every time you obey the Holy Spirit, your spirit man gains proficiency in your life. But every time you go your own way and do your own thing, your flesh gains proficiency in your life. And whatever is the most proficient will dominate you. Right? People live flesh-driven lives because they're constantly yielding to the flesh, right? But we will, leave a sp or we will live excuse me, a spirit-led life if we yield to the instruction and the leading of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, amen? That's how we become spiritual people. It starts with obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And they could be little things. Can I say this? Don't experiment with the leading of the Spirit on big decisions in your life. Don't do that. Don't decide, oh, well, I've never been led before, but I need to get married, so let's, get, let's be lit. You know, like, that's, that's a bad idea because uh, we make mistakes that way, right? But uh, he'll, he'll, start, he'll start with just little things. He'll, he'll uh, lead you to do little things. Um, you know, he'll, he'll lead you to release your faith for little things. Can I, can I give you an example for me? Um, this past uh, month, you know, we, we did all kinds of events for the youth group, right? And we had, we honestly, we had such a good time uh, at those events. I think what it really did, Pastor Craig said he felt prompted in his spirit to do it. And I have no doubt that it was the Holy Ghost because what it really did for us is it helped me to fortify my connection with a lot of the kids. And so we came, we came out of it and it's like, you know, you see him almost every day, you know, and so you get to know him, right? And so, and they get to know me. And so it was, it was, it was a really great time. We really enjoyed it. But I remember we were going to the zoo and, uh, you know, we were all looking forward to this trip. Uh, and, and part of my preparation for the trip was, of course, to look at the weather. And I saw in the weather report that there was, there was thunderstorms scheduled. And so I went, oh, God. The one day that I had to, and every other day that week was beautiful and sunny. But the one day that I picked to go to the zoo, there was supposed to be a thunderstorm. And it was supposed to rain like all day. And, it was like, and I looked and it was like, there's like an 80% chance of precipitation. Okay, so there's no, it's not like, oh, maybe I can get out of it. You know, like, there's, it, it's going to rain. And so, you know, I had booked the tickets already. And I said, you know, I'm just kind of feeling, ugh, I don't want to bring an umbrella. I don't want to wear a raincoat because then it gets humid and then you're going in and out of buildings. And anyways, and for me, you know, it's just... I, I didn't want to do it. I, I, and so I, you know, I was kind of feeling sorry for myself because I had to go through this. And I heard, I heard the Holy Spirit inside of me. I'm so glad, you know, he must think sometimes that we're so dumb, but he's so, <laughs> he's so kind to us. And uh, I, I heard the Holy Spirit prompt me and, and, and he said, why don't you use your faith? And I said, oh. <laughs> wow, well, I know, a real spiritual moment for me, right? Oh, yeah, faith. Um, <laughs> oh, Lord. 
Um, so what, he said, why don't you use your faith? And I said, okay, I'll, I'll use my faith. And so I, I you know, they, and some of the staff were in the office and, and they kept saying to me, hey, did you hear it's going to rain on Tuesday when we go to the zoo? And I said, I know what the report is. I said, but I'm using my faith that it'll be a beautiful day. And so I said, uh, I would say, thank you, Father, for my beautiful day on Tuesday. And I, I would thank him and thank him. And then as I was doing it, uh, somebody else would come up and say, oh, it's going to rain on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> And it seemed like, it seemed like everybody, who, people who don't watch the weather, were coming up to me and saying, you know it's gonna rain on Tuesday? And, but you know why that was? And, and it, I, it was only until I had set my faith to, you know, use it, that suddenly all of these voices were talking to me about rain. You know? And, and it's because, can I say this? Um, <laughs> The devil doesn't want you to see the end of your faith. He doesn't care about the weather, okay? He doesn't care about if it rains or if it's sunny or what. It's just I had set my faith to it. And so what's going to happen is uh, opposition will come, even from, you know, well, I mean, this is not a big deal. They were not putting curses on me. They were not, you know, whatever. They were just talking about rain. But because I had set my faith to believe that it would be a beautiful day, and I have to now believe God that the weather will change, yeah. right? Um, I, I'd set my faith, and so the devil doesn't want you to see the end of it because if you see the end of your faith, it'll encourage you to keep believing for more. So people get discouraged when their faith doesn't end in sight. But a lot of times it's because our faith, anyways, that's a whole other sermon, but our faith is misdirected on, on, on things where we don't have the leading of the Spirit about what to believe for. And people are believing for thousands and thousands of dollars to come into, you know, to their life, but they don't have the measure of faith for that. We have to couple the releasing of our faith with the leading of the Spirit. Amen? And then that will produce success every time in our lives. Amen? Uh, so anyway, so everybody's telling me about rain. And uh, so we're in, the, we're in the car getting ready. Uh, I get up in the morning and I, I force myself to stop looking at the weather forecast, okay? Because I didn't need that discouraging me because every time it seemed like the percentage of precipitation would go up. Uh, so I stopped, I stopped looking at that and I, and I got up in the morning, I look and it's overcast. And so I say, Father, I thank you for my beautiful day. And I would say to Corinne, I would say, you know, Corinne, going to be a beautiful day today. And, you know, so we kept going and came to church, get all the kids in the cars. We're driving. <laughs> Sorry. We're driving to the zoo. Okay. I'm on the highway. I have a bunch of precious little angels in my car. And one of those little angels sees the large set of clouds that's in the sky. And he says, whoa, those clouds look full of rain. And he said, I've never seen clouds so big in my life. <laughs> and he said, it's actually kind of scary. <laughs> I can't, word for word, that's what he said. And I'm sitting there, and now, now, I'm, now I'm just rolling my eyes because I'm like, no. So, so under my breath, I, and I could see the clouds. They were, they were not that intense. But, you know, they were still, it, it looked like rain clouds. And so, um, uh, one of the things that the, the Holy Spirit had said to me to stand on, when he had told me to use my faith, I, I said, Lord, uh, he, had brought, he had brought to me Mark eleven twenty four, And he actually spoke it to my spirit. He said, Taylor, Mark eleven twenty four. notice how it says, whatsoever things you desire right. when you pray. And he said, do you desire to walk in the rain with all of those kids? And I said, sir, no, I do not. He said, do you desire to have your umbrella up and then put it down and then up and down and take off your raincoat and put it on? And do you desire? I said, no, honestly, sir, it would be an inconvenience to me. He said, then whatsoever things you desire when you pray, Believe that you've received it and you shall have it. What was that? That was the leading of the Spirit for me. That was God was giving me, was highlighting to me, and really it quickened in me like revelation. Now I know what sort of things I desire when I pray. You know? And so he, he, he did that for me. And so I reminded the Lord of that, um, of, of that verse under my breath in the car. I didn't go, 
you know, I didn't do that. I, 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 uh, I just, under my breath, I said, I said, Father, whatsoever things I desire when I pray, if I believe that I receive them, then I shall have them. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say, and if I have to send an angel to move that cloud for you, I'll do it. And I thought, yes, sir, I agree with that. And so I said, if you have to send an angel to come from heaven and push that cloud away from the zoo, you'll do it. And we went to the zoo. And I cannot even tell you the beautiful day that we had. The cloud that was massive and looming and kind of scary <laughs> disappeared. And it was nowhere to be found. There was not a cloud in the sky. And so we're walking down the path and all of the kids are complaining about how hot it is. <laughs> oh God, it's so hot. Are we almost done? You know, one of the kids is like, we need to stop looking at animals and go. Like, we're at the zoo, why? Anyways, so they're all complaining about how hot it is. And the animals, you know, were kind of depressed and tired because of how hot it was. But I was on, you know, cloud nine because, because as far as I was concerned, God did that beautiful day for me. He did it for me. And so I don't know why I said all that. Oh, <laughs> um, but God, God, let me say this, God will lead us and he'll guide us. And if we stick with what God says to us, what his instruction is to us, then we'll walk in the good things he has for us. You know, God doesn't want you to be inconvenienced. God wants you to have a good time with the things that you do. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Turn with me very quickly to Mark chapter 4. We have to find the leading of the Spirit. And the leading of the Spirit is, uh, shows us what God's plan is. And God's plan for our life is our safe place. So really what, what we could say is this, when we follow the leading of the Spirit, He'll lead us into a safe place for us. Amen? Mark chapter 4, and I want to start in verse 35. You've heard this story before, but I want to touch on it. It says this, at this point, oh excuse me, and the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. So let me, let me say this, but at this point the disciples have been with Jesus for a while now. Right? They've seen him perform miracles, they've seen him heal the sick, they've seen him cast out devils. You know, he's, he's showing them God's power. And he's showing them what God is capable of. And really what he's doing is he's being an example to them of what they are going to flow in. Once, you know, he dies and rises again and the Spirit of God comes on the inside of, the, of them, right? And so he says here, And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Now Jesus, let's remember this, he only said what he heard his father say, right? He only did what he saw the father do. And so Jesus is speaking here. So what we could say it this way, Jesus was led by the Spirit to go to the other side. Wouldn't it be correct to say that? Right? Because he only said what he heard the father say. So the father instructed him to go to the other side of the lake. And so he's telling the disciples, let's go to the other side. Okay? So that is the leading or the instruction, if you will. It says this, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took, and they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. Did you know that? Uh, you know, you, you see this, I don't know, maybe it's kids' church that ruins you for stuff, I don't know, but you, you only ever see one boat portrayed in this thing, but there were other little ships around them, right? And there arose a great storm of wind, a great storm of wind. The waves, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So, as I said, um, Jesus has given an instruction. He said, we're going to go to the other side. Okay? Then if we look at verse 37. If actually, if you look at it in the Passion Translation, what it says is this. As they were crossing the lake, a storm came. And so we, we could say it this way. As they were doing what the Spirit of God led them to do. As, as they were following the directive 
or the leading of the Holy Ghost, right? What happened? The devil opposed them. Now, they didn't know what was on the other side of that lake. The, the, the man that was full of demons, the man of the Gadarenes, he was on the other side of that lake. And so Jesus was going to get that man his deliverance, right? And so the disciples forgot what Jesus had said. Jesus had said, let's go to the other side. But a storm came to oppose them as they were moving forward in what God said, and they forgot. And they got caught up with the storm, and the boat is filling with water, and the wind is raging, and there's thunder and lightning. You know, it's a little lake, uh, and, um, you know, all of this stuff is happening. But this is, what we can learn from this is for us, don't be surprised when you're following the leading of the Holy Ghost, and suddenly opposition shows up. Suddenly, you know, suddenly you have uh, a sweet little angel in the back of your car telling you how scary the rain cloud looks. You know, you're following the leading of the spirit. You're doing what God wants you to do. And uh, there is ample opportunity for the devil to find somebody to say something to you because there's carnality everywhere. And the devil will use the carnality in people to distract you or he'll use financial needs to distract you or you'll be following the plan of God for your life and symptoms will show up in your body. So don't be, or persecution will come. Don't be surprised. That's not, uh, the presence of opposition is not, uh, does not mean that you can just depart from what God said. It's not, it doesn't make you exempt from following the Holy Spirit. God expects us, after he's spoken to us, to press through opposition that comes. Oh, well, it doesn't look like it's going to come to pass. That, but what did God say to you? If God said, I want you to buy this thing, or if God said, I want you to go uh, to this school, or I want you to take this job, then it doesn't matter what I'm hearing. It doesn't matter what I'm seeing. I'm going to follow what God said. Amen. But that's why we need to uh, become skillful at discerning what God said, right? So a storm showed up for the disciples. And I want you to know this, notice this. The storm is happening. The wind is raging. And what, what do the disciples say to Jesus? They say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Look at that. They got so caught up in their feelings about what was happening that offense started to brew. They got offended. And what is the first thing that they do? What is the first thing that your flesh is going to do? Look for somebody to blame. Oh, I can't believe God's doing this to me. I can't believe the pastor is asking us for more money. I can't believe that, oh, you know, I work so hard. I do so much. You know, doesn't God love me? God, why? Where are you, Jesus? Why have you forsaken me? You know, and they start looking for somebody to blame. You know, they're looking at Jesus. What are you doing here? Listen, can I say this? Faith and the releasing of faith will offend people that are carnal. Jesus paid attention to the leading of the father. The father said, we're going to the other side. So as far as Jesus was concerned, he was going to sleep at that bottom of the boat. And if, you know, of course, he had disciples that he expected to know what to do. But even if he had to float on that one little log fast asleep to the other side of the lake, bless God, he was going to get there. Right? Because that was what God had said to him. That was what the instruction was. The disciples departed from that instruction and they got offended. And then that's why, and then if we go down to verse 40, he says, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? What is he saying? How is it that you did not believe what I said to you? Because that's what faith is it's believing what God said. How is it that you forgot what I said? You have seen that when I have spoken, sickness and symptoms left people's body. You've seen that when I spoke, demons came out of people. You've seen that when I spoke, miracles happened. And you couldn't even believe me when I told you that we were going to the other side of a lake. You, you departed from the leading of the spirit. We could say it that way. You departed from my instruction. Listen, don't depart from what God said to you. Don't get discouraged when opposition shows up. Uh, trying to, because that opposition is coming to get you to change what you believe. It's, getting, it's trying to get you off from following what God told you to do. Amen? And so the disciples, you know, didn't have faith. But really, what they should have known is this. When God gives us an instruction or we feel a leading of the Spirit, that leading is our assurance. It's our confidence. We can know for sure that when the Spirit of God speaks something to us and tells us to do it, we can be assured that it will not fall through. 
Amen? But we have to become skillful at following the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. I wanted to give you that, that example. We also see this example, you know, in the book of Acts. We see Paul, uh, you know, and he's uh, been captured and he's on his way on trial, you know. And uh, Paul picks up something in his spirit. And he tells uh, the people that have captured him, the centurion that was responsible for him, he says, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, um, hello, sir, um, I have picked up something uh, in my spirit. I perceive that there's going to be a great storm. And I, I want to let you know that I don't think that we should go on this voyage. Right? And so the centurion decides, this guy's a prisoner. I'm not going to listen to a prisoner. You know, I'm, I have way more self-respect than that, where I'm going to let the guy who we've captured boss me around. So he says, uh-uh, we're going on this trip, and you're going to like it, brother. And furthermore, it's a nice day out. So, but what he doesn't understand is that God is separate from time. And God saw that the weather started out nice, but then he saw that suddenly a great storm would come. And Paul tried to warn him. And so I want you to notice this. Paul did everything in his power to follow the leading of the Spirit. He perceived something and he said it to his commanding officer or his, the person that had captured him. But he is captured, right? And so he does, is not calling the shots here. So unfortunately, uh, you know, he's, he's about to go in the ship and he knows that a storm is coming. So, you know, I, me, I like to use my imagination when I read the Bible. And so um, I'm imagining Paul, you know, just kissing his teeth and... <laughs> he's in this boat and now the storm is coming and he's rocking, but he's just... And, and he said, Lord, I told them this was going to happen. <laughs> you know, and, and I, this, this, is, this is me. Okay, this is, this is how I imagined this whole scripture coming about. And so Paul's in the, he said, Lord, I told them this is going to happen. And you told me there was going to be a storm. And lo and behold, here's the storm. Uh, you know, and everybody's, ah, you know, freaking out. They're like throwing things overboard. They're, you know, just depressed and, you know, thinking they're going to lose their lives. But Paul got into his spirit. And, you know, if there ever was a time to pray, it's probably right then. But Paul had gotten skillful at quieting his mind and at not being moved by circumstance. And so what happened? An angel showed up. And the angel of the Lord told him, fear not, Paul. Uh, basically, again, paraphrasing here, but said, the ship will be lost, but no one's life will be lost. Okay? And so he has the leading of the Spirit. And so Paul goes up. He's feeling great. And he says to the people, men, don't worry. God is going to save us all. And the boat is, you know, not going to make it, but we are going to make it. Okay? And all of them are still freaking out, ah, you know, because they didn't have the leading that he had. But he could be confident in the midst of a storm, in the midst of peril, in the midst of uh, really destruction that was right around him because he had the leading. If you will get skillful at in the midst of opposition, in the midst of tests and trials in your life, in the midst of uh, negative feelings, getting into your spirit. Amen. It'll, it'll, it'll help your life because it'll keep you on course. All right. I want to very quickly, I want to go to uh, Genesis 4. Okay. And I'm going to close with this. Genesis 4. You know, um, of course, we know tests and trials can come in the form of uh, symptoms. They can come in the form of financial need. Did you know as well that uh, tests and trials can come in the form of offense? Yes. Right? It can come in the form of trying to separate you from the place that God has for you. You know, uh, offense with your church family, offense with your pastor, offense with your spiritual leaders, right? And, the, and we got to treat it the same way we would treat symptoms. You got to rid your life of offense. Amen? I'm going to read to you out of the Amplified Classic, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, when Ad And Adam knew Eve his, as his wife, and she became pregnant and bore Cain. And she said, I have gotten and gained a man with the help of the Lord. And next she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. You know, I've always thought that verse 1 was interesting. and so, But really, verse 1 helps us to understand something about Adam and Eve. And that was that even after they had been expelled from the Garden of Eden, there was still an acknowledgement in them of the Lord. There was still an honor that they had for him. You know, and you would hope, I mean, they walked with him in the cool of the day, right? They had, they had been acquainted with him. So what this tells us is they did not totally depart from God. 
there was still an acknowledgement of them of it. So what does this tell us? That they would have brought up their children to honor God in the way that they did. Right? Because whatever you honor is going to show up in your children. Anyways, there's something there, but I won't, I, won't, I won't continue for sake of time. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. So he brought him a salad. Right? Maybe he was a vegan. Um, and Abel, <laughs> Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. And look at this. The Lord had respect for the one who wasn't vegan. I'm teasing. The Lord had respect and regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no respect or regard. So Cain was exceedingly angry and indignant, and he looked sad and depressed. You know, I have always read this story, and you see it displayed in media and whatever, as a, a case of sibling rivalry. You know, and you see Cain and Abel like, oh, they were at each other's throats all their life and it ended in this big culmination of murder. But that's, there's no evidence of that in scripture here. There's, they could have been best buds. And frankly, you know, there wasn't anybody else on the planet at the time other than them and their parents. So, you know, when your choice of friends are slim, you be friends with whoever you can. <laughs> right? So, you know, so I'm deducing here that they probably got along because there was nobody else to get along with, right? So Cain and Abel, uh, we, they, this wasn't a case of sibling rivalry. It started, I want you to notice here, Cain knew that God was displeased with his offering. And so what happened with Cain? He became angry and he looked sad and depressed and dejected. So Cain was corrected. And he became depressed because of that correction. Because why? Cain, and then I look at this next verse. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin crouches at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. What is God saying to him here? He's saying, if you do well, meaning what? Cain knew what the right thing to do was. Yeah. Cain knew how to present an appropriate offering to God. But he did not do what he knew to do. We could say this. He departed from the instruction that God had given to him through his parents. Because his parents would have taught him how to honor God. His parents would have trained him to give an appropriate offering. Because Abel knew how to do it, right? Abel didn't, wasn't just born with that knowledge. He'd been taught, right? And so Abel was doing what God wanted him to do, but Cain was not. Cain decided to offer God what he wanted to offer him. Cain decided to give what suited him. Cain decided to give something that was not a sacrifice to him. Oh, let me just give you these, you know, twigs here, Lord. You know, but Abel prepared his offering. Abel gave God the best that he had, you know. But uh, Cain did not do that, and so he became sad and depressed. But God gave him a way out. He said, if you want a way out of this, brother, and you want to, you know, all you have to do is do the right thing. All you have to do is go back to the instruction that I've given you, right? That's what he's saying. And Cain said to his brother, verse 8, let us go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Wow. So but let me tell you this, congregation. Cain didn't wake up one day and decide, hmm, I think I'm going to kill my brother. Right? That's not, that's not what happened. What happened was he was sad and depressed and angry. And he started to stew in those feelings. He started to feel sorry for himself. Oh, I can't believe that God has rejected me like this. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. Look at what I did. I went and I gave God a salad. And he didn't like my salad. You know, sure, Abel gave him a filet mignon. And then he started to say, wait, Abel gave him a filet mignon. Abel, God likes Abel and God doesn't like me. God loves Abel more than, I can't believe, Abel is stupid, okay? God doesn't know all of the dumb things that Abel has done to me, okay? I'm the better looking brother, you know? And he starts, and he starts to rehearse some things. And, and I can't believe, oh, this is all Abel's fault. It's Abel's fault that God doesn't like me. It's Abel's fault that God rejected my offering. If Abel wasn't here, God would love me. These thoughts are coming into his mind. And suddenly, he knew the problem was him. The problem was what he was doing, yeah. right? And God told him, change what you're doing and you'll be accepted, right? There's a way out for you. 
but he started to rehearse. And that, often, and, and that uh, depression or anger turned into offense, and that offense turned into strife, and that strife turned into deception, and that deception turned into murder. This was not, oh, I'm not going to kill my brother today. This was a process that happened. And let me tell you something, congregation. The devil will work the same way with us. Cain departed from what God instructed him to do. And he was deceived. If we depart from what God instructed us to do, many of you have come up to me and come up to Pastor Craig and Pastor Jenny and said, oh, Pastor Craig and Pastor Jenny, when we walked into this building, we felt like we were at home. The Spirit of God bore witness with us that this was the church for us. You know, this, I, I, I knew in my spirit that I was supposed to be here. But they, over the course of time, you don't feel the wonderful feelings that you felt when you first came. Yeah. And over the course of time, you hear the things that the pastor says, and suddenly it's, oh, I can't believe he said that. Or, did he have to say it that way? Or, why is he yelling at us again? And these thoughts, I'm, not, I'm, I'm being real, these thoughts come to try and separate you from the place. You have to be skillful at knowing how to get in your spirit. In that, in that kind of time, listen, because I've dealt with it myself. I just came out of a season where it felt like, you know, everybody came into Hebron and they were having a great time and they were, you know, increased with everybody. And I, I came into Hebron and a demon showed up that wasn't there before. And I, it felt like there was something banging on my head um, about offense, about, uh, and, and, and for me, this was, it was so foreign to me. It was so... I knew it wasn't God, obviously, because, but I felt, like, I felt like I wanted to quit the ministry. I felt like I, I, can't, I can't keep existing like this with this thing pounding on my head all the time. And for months, you know, because I wasn't answering it the way that I should, because I wasn't getting in my spirit the way that I should, and, be, and really because I was entertaining the thoughts. But finally, you know, God got a hold of me and kind of, wait, you know, jolted me and said, what are you doing here? What are you doing? You're allowing this thing to rob you of your joy. And I remember I was sitting, I was sitting in my car one day and I, the thought came to me, I don't care if I continue in this. I don't care if tomorrow I quit and go and find another job. And just, but this, I knew it wasn't me. But these thoughts and these feelings were so real. And when that opposition comes to you, those thoughts and those feelings will, will be so real to you. But you have to answer them. You have to know how to get into your spirit. You know, Pastor Craig, you know, talked about, he, he, he just said something over Corinne and I about because we guarded our hearts. We made, you know, God was going to do some things for us, but we made it, I had to make a decision. I'm not going to, I'm not going to indulge in these feelings anymore. You know, I'm going to get to the other side of this. But in order to do that, I had to get in my spirit and I had to shut up the things around me, right, by answering them. Listen, congregation, uh, there will come a time in all of our lives where we're tempted to leave the place that God has for us. Don't, uh, don't indulge the devil. Don't allow him to take you from the place that God has for you. You know, because I, I, I mean, I've seen it in my life. Being in the place that God had for me was a rescue to me. It was a help to me. There were things that God's added to me that he wouldn't have been able to otherwise because, you know, and the devil will tell you, oh, you'll be fine. God will be able to bless you outside of the place that, you know, outside of that local church. You'll go to another church and you'll, you'll be fine and everything will be fine and dandy for you. No, that's a lie. Amen. 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 Well, praise the Lord. God has good things for us. Amen. But we need to learn how to get in our spirit. We need to learn how to quiet our minds. And, and uh, how do we do that? Spend much time in the presence of God. When you're praying in tongues, can I tell you, you know, what worked for me is uh, tell your mind to be quiet. <laughs> okay? You are not a mind, so you can tell your mind what to do. You are a spirit man. And so you have dominion over your mind. So you say, mind, you shut up in Jesus' name. I'm praying right now. That's what I say. And, uh, you know, quiet your mind. We have to learn to stop when we're in the middle of a storm or when we're in the middle of opposition. That opposition is going to scream at us. Yeah. Okay? But we have to learn to get quiet because it's in the quiet that God instructs. It's in the quiet that strength comes within us. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it helps us, sir. 
thank you for the leading of the Holy Spirit that we have. It is, it's so wonderful, Father, to be your sons and uh, to know that we don't have to get our counsel from anywhere else but from you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you help us. In the midst of a storm, Father, you're there with us and you've given us a way out. And so, Father, we, in, in our own lives, we, we recognize that if there are things that we need to come up in or if, or if maybe we've been caught up in the storm and moved by the wind and the waves, Father God, that you'll help us to identify how we can get back on track so that we don't depart from what you said. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen, amen.